you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The NFL playoffs are here. Watch every game of the postseason for free with the Yahoo Sports app or the official app of the NFL on your phone or tablet. Plus, get all your latest breaking news, highlights, and more. Download the NFL app or the Yahoo Sports app in your app store or at nfl.com slash mobile today. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ and Bucky with you. Yeah, I am in uh, in Florida for the East-West Shrine game. Bucky has got the call for the NFLPA game in Los Angeles. So, uh, taking a look at some of those prospects, which we can uh, dig into probably a little bit later time, Buck. But, uh, man, we've got to discuss what we saw in the national championship game last night. A lot of talent on display in the national championship game. Both teams are loaded with NFL caliber players from the quarterback positions to some of the guys that we saw at the skill positions, particularly at wide receiver to even some of the defensive guys that stepped up and made some splash plays. There's a lot of talent on display. It's one of those things that would be must see TV uh, for scouts and evaluators. Yeah, we'll get to that in, uh, in, in detail. We also have uh, the final four. We've got the final four, the championship games coming up this uh, coming weekend. We'll touch on uh, you know what's made those teams so successful this year. Not only just looking at the quarterbacks there, Buck, but kind of running them through our formula. We talked about on the Move the Six podcast last year. What is the championship formula? What's the foundation of a championship team? And uh, we came up with a list of twelve players at, at different positions and different roles you need to be a championship caliber team. Uh, so we'll kind of run all four of those teams through that car wash, see what it looks like in a little bit. But I, I do want to start there. Uh, biggest takeaway watching that game last night because I, I had my tape out. You know, I've got I've got my top fifty list coming out next week, Buck. I've got to pump out a mock draft. I think we'll be out Friday, um, so I'm trying to do some work and and watch games in the background. And this one, I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm I'm just gonna sit down and take in this uh, championship game because there was so so many NFL guys to watch. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a ton of fun to watch that game. That game kind of played out. Uh, in the way that we thought it would be. We thought it would be a shootout. We thought um, guys would have an opportunity to kind of make some plays. And, I mean, there were a lot of plays to be made. I think you have to be impressed with what Clemson was able to do very early in the game. Their playmakers, their experience, T. Higgins uh, kind of showed up and showed out pretty early. And then when LSU settled in, uh, everyone will talk about Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow was terrific. But I think that that game did. It really put a spotlight on the playmakers that he had around him. Uh, Jamar Chase and, and Justin Jefferson, those two guys dominated the game. Thaddeus Moss made some plays. But what you saw, like elite, premier pass catchers dominating the game on the outside. And, you know, I think part of the reason why LSU was able to roll through um, their schedule is because they were doing things that are very, very new, unique to what they do, particularly in the conference where they played it. They had – uh, an accumulation of outstanding blue chip talent on the outside. They had a perfect point guard in Joe Burrow, and they basically spread and shred teams in a way that we hadn't seen. I've never seen so much empty five-wide formations from a team that kind of fancies himself as a physical team, but LSU puts their athletes in space, 
and they just kind of test and see if you can hold up. And most teams have no team has been able to hold up, and we saw that kind of take place again. It's funny, you know. It's you look, watch college football right now, and you see you see some of the same things. I, I would say probably eight years ago, maybe eight ten years ago, Buck, we saw the bubble screen craze, right? Um, and then I feel like now it is slants and verticals from the slot. Like that is, that mm-hmm. is college offense right now. And it is, it is one-on-one and you basically just decide kind of what leverage you get. Um, you want to give them those slants. They're going to take it all day long. They're empty you out, find the matchup that they like. And then, um, when you try and get up in them, they're going to, they're going to be able to check up on the outside and they're going to get vertical from the slot with all that real estate to work. And we saw it over and over again in that game. Uh, so schematically, it was kind of fun to watch what they were doing. But uh, the quarterback, I was talking to a, to a former GM out here at practice today, and we had a great conversation about, uh, about Burrow. He said, look, you, you kind of wait for him to come back to earth the whole year. Like, this, Cinderella. This, you can't keep this pace up. And he never did. He, he absolutely never did. And I, I like to talk to the old scouts. You know, we, we've we've got those guys, the, the old heads we used to go on the road with, and um, you know, sometimes they can be a little quirky, right? A lot of times, bad breath. Another story entirely. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do like to talk, I do like to talk to them about some of the older players that we weren't old enough to have scouted. And when you're watching the way that that Burrow plays, he doesn't wow you with his arm strength, but just the the instincts, the feel, the touch, the accuracy, the poise. Um, I said, you know, if you did you scout Montana and what were the similarities there? Do you do you see that in him? And Buck, both guys said it's eerie. It's eerie how similar he is to Joe. He said, you know, everybody's compared him to Brady in terms of, you know, he works. I think he both work with Tom House. Mechanically, there's a lot of stuff similar there. Mm-hmm. But the way he moves around, he says, it's a lot more like Joe Montana. And I realize this is, you know, we're talking about, you know, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Both those guys, that's the debate, right? Montana and Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know how to argue with him with what you've seen, the way he's played. You know, the funny thing, though, when you talk about both guys, though, both guys were drafted out of the first round. So yeah. when, we, when we talk about that, it... I don't know. It's, it's, it's just interesting. Tom, uh, Joe Montana was a third-round pick. Tom Brady, obviously, a sixth-round pick. Both of those guys obviously outplayed it. Both of those guys will be – well, Tom Brady will be a gold jacket guy. Joe Montana already is. And so to try and figure out – because you do kind of wait – because it is a bit of a Cinderella story, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, he can We can acknowledge that hey, he got hot at the end of last season, played better. But the difference – I mean, the significant increases in touchdowns, completion percentage – all of those things. I don't know if we've ever seen anyone have this dramatic of a jump. And I think maybe it's the, the old scout in me that it just makes me nervous on a few different things. Like what led him to pop? Was it scheme dependent? Was it supporting cast growing up? Was it a, his own personal development? Because he is like he, Joe Burrow is 23 years old. Joe Burrow is older than Lamar Jackson. So he is a more mature player at the collegiate level than we're normally used to seeing. And how much of this, when it comes to like his comfort level in this scheme, how much of that can be replicated? Particularly if you're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals taking him at number one. Can they take this offense, Zach Taylor, get on the phone with Joe Brady and say, hey, just give me everything that you guys did. I'm basically just going to call this offense like you called it for him. Or is Joe Burrow a player that can play outside of that system and still have the same kind of impact? Um, I think it's one of those debates that 
theoretically as a scout that we always will have because, man, it you keep waiting. But look, everything that he's done this year, he grades out at an A level. So how do you take that versus his complete and entire body of work? So here's here's how I would explain it. I'm going to use two different sport references here. We love to cross over here. So if if I gave Nolan Ryan a baseball and he had no knowledge of the batter, right, he has the stuff that he would probably mow the guy down, no problem, right? If I gave Greg Maddox, mm. put him on the hill, and gave him no knowledge of the batter, Greg Maddox might get hit around a little bit. But when you arm Greg Maddox, his best asset is his ability to know what he wants to do, know what they can't do, and execute. So the way I explained Joe Burrow last year, Joe Burrow got there in two days. So Joe Burrow didn't have an, you know, first of all, it wasn't a very friendly offense, but he didn't have a chance to become a master of his craft in that system. When he had a chance to study the same system, master it, know the answers that you have within the system. He operates and processes at such a rare elite level that he's successful. Now, Greg Maddox and Nolan Ryan are both Hall of Famers, Buck. They do it differently. Yep. And I think that's what he is. To me, he's Greg Maddox. Now, the other the other comparison, I was talking to a scout about this who, who has some hockey connections and had got to become friends with Wayne Gretzky. And he said Gretzky told him one time, it was great, he said Gretzky said Joe Montana was his favorite football player of all time because he felt he was like him. And he said, you know, at the NHL All-Star Games, I never would participate in, like, the fastest skater or the hardest shot, you know, all the different games, mm-hmm. you know, the, the basically their version of the dunk contest, right? He said, because I was never the fastest, I was never the strongest. But I can tell you one thing, if it's in the third period and we need we need two goals, I'm going to get them. And he mm-hmm. said, like, that's, that's, like that's, an, that's the all-time great. Greg Maddox, all-time great. Tom Brady, all-time great. Buck, they're not they're not gonna wow you with their their stuff, you know, their, with their physical skills, but there's something you cannot deny. And and you know, I was I was like you, um, and you know, we've got process to go here. But when I see elite accuracy, elite pocket mm-hmm. movement, elite processing, you know, at some point in time, you say, okay, he does not have a huge arm. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. He's gonna he's gonna beat you because he's got all the other stuff off the charts. Yeah, look, uh, look, I and I am because I, I don't want to be dismissive about Joe Burrow because I do believe Joe Burrow is um, an upper level talent. I do believe what he's done this year is remarkable. Um, the way he dealt in that game against Clemson, to me, I think he showed a lot more than he has shown this year because I would say that for most of the year, it had been very, very easy for him. This is the first time that we saw LSU behind significantly. We saw them playing against the defending national champions. Um, We saw where it was kind of stacked up against them and somewhere in there where he was able to settle it down in the second quarter and they started carving up the Clemson uh, defense. And he made a ton of plays. I mean, he made a ton of plays inside, outside the pocket. He made plays on quarterback runs. Um, he kind of showed the full repertoire. And I think what he did is those detractors who were hanging out there, like I think he made a very, very convincing case that, look, you have to list him as the number one quarterback, regardless of what you uh, may think about his overall talent, because the way that he played the game, I don't know how you can turn on the tape this year and point out a weakness that wouldn't make him um, the number one guy at the position. I, I just I don't think we'll be able to find that tape. And so – it's just interesting, and I think what the next part of the evaluation has to move to is if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals and I take him, now what? How do we 
build it where he can be successful. Um, because everyone is going to want to see the Joe Burrow that we saw at LSU. How can Cincinnati make their team and their offense as close to what LSU was doing? How can they replicate the Tiger success? All right, so let, let me do it this way because we saw this is the this is the this is the McVay offense, right? Um, we saw Jared Goff take that offense to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just play that game real quick. Jared Goff has a stronger arm. I, don't, I think we both agree on that. Mm-hmm. Tell tell me another area of of Jared Goff's game where he's better than Joe Burrow. If we just take out arm strength, shoot, I don't know. I mean, I think you. I mean, I think you. You talking about in in essence the same guy. And with Jared Goff, I compare Jared Goff to Matt Ryan, and those things. And I think. Um, but do you think? Do you think? Because I don't think. I don't think Jared Goff processes nearly as fast as Joe Burrow no. does. No, I think. I think. I think Joe. I think Joe Burrow gets the ball out of his hands quick. I think some of the best stuff that he does is the anticipation and the reaction uh, to yep. be able to see, hey, the blitz is coming. I got to get it out. Uh, I know I'm going to get drilled, but I'm going to get it out, and I'm going to get it to the playmaker. The touchdown that he threw to Thaddeus Moss, maybe the first touchdown oh, where, they, where they ran the swing and he did a snag. Uh, they had a free hitter come and hit him, and the ball is out. And the ball is out so fast that, like, Thaddeus Moss is in the end zone looking around like – who who is around me? It, it was really an unbelievable play, and I think it's one of those plays that may go unnoticed. But when I saw that, I was like, "Man, how quick do you have to be able to go through your process to get to here's where the ball is going, and hey, it's out right now." And to also display the courage and the toughness to to not blink when you're looking down the barrel of a loaded gun. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, look, he he's really really impressive. You know, um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to like about him. And he also has uh, what you and I have talked about, that not over my dead body oh, type yeah. mentality. He has just enough confidence and swag that you're like, oh, okay, and it's not too much. See, because I think there's a difference between Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield. Like, I felt like Baker Mayfield's was a little too much, um, maybe a little overdone, whereas I feel yeah. like Joe Burrow's thing is a little I don't know look we're picking at personalities but I I believe he does have the swag and the edge that you need and I also I think you have to judge quarterbacks by the way their teammates respond to him every time that I've seen uh the tv cameras pan to Joe Burr on the sideline after wins I see guys who appear to genuinely like and celebrate his success I didn't feel like when he is on stage and they have made it kind of like the burrow show I didn't yeah. feel like there was a level of envy and I think that speaks volumes to how Joe Burrow has maybe made his teammates feel inclusive in the process as opposed to exclusive and so those are the things that we are looking for when it comes to quarterback because the franchise quarterback has so much on him he's responsible for so much he has to be a guy's guy and I think Joe Burrow has that so answer me this then I know we're we're on Burrow here for a little bit, but I think he deserves the the conversation. Um, we've talked to, I think I want to say it was Urban Meyer who said this, and we've talked to other people as well. Um, but the importance of how you play on the big stage, Buck, that's been one of your calling cards. We've hey, been man, talking about this for years. It's the biggest thing, and so like that would be the first. Well, thing. I mean, what do you say about that? Look what he did. You can't you can't say you can't say anything. You can't say anything. Top ten teams, and that's and that's what you have to stick on. Like you have to trust that. Like, you have to trust. Um, hey, look, man, 
We asked this guy to play a challenging schedule. He played seven top teams. Uh, we asked him to, to play on the biggest stage. In the playoffs, he's been responsible for, what, 14 touchdowns in two games? I mean. Here's, here's, here's what I want to ask him. Can we, can we just say, you know, we'll get a chance to talk to him as we go through the process. And he probably won't say this on air because it probably isn't the classy thing to do. But I would love to know in his heart of hearts if he wishes that the Washington Redskins had the first overall pick so that he mm. could go beat out Dwayne Haskins. Mm. Mm. I guarantee you I know the answer. Oh, he definitely would want that challenge. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he definitely. They messed, that, they messed that up the first time. I want to go fix it. You know, I, I just, that just to me is the way that guy feels like the way that guy's wired. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he, he certainly, he certainly feels like that. Um, he certainly feels like he is that, but you know, the funny thing is like, I, I don't know, even when you talk to Urban about that, because there's going to be some conversation about the Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow thing and why wasn't Joe Burrow the starting quarterback and all that. And then I think Urban basically articulated it. He said arm strength. He said arm strength, and he he expressed about, look, Dwayne Haskins had a remarkable year, like a special dude, one of the greatest to ever play at Ohio State. Like, we can't really knock us for putting him out there. The greatest, The greatest Ohio State quarterback of all time. Yeah, I mean, like, like, I mean, so you can't knock him. I, I, I do believe that is the thing. You know, what would have been even better than seeing him go against Clemson would have been seeing him play Ohio State. Oh, that was that was yeah. kind of the matchup that you wanted to see. <laughs> not on, not only because of his angle, but I would have loved to have seen how Ohio State would have, yeah. yeah, what they would have defended. Like, what do they know? What what are the yeah. answers to the test that they have on him, and what dragons could he slay? knowing that they may know intel on him. I think your point, and and I'm sure I will use it, um, the Greg Maddox thing is really interesting to me, being a baseball fan and, look, being around the Braves for so long. Obviously, growing up in North Carolina, the Braves were like the deal. I was speaking your language. Yeah, like like the Greg Maddox thing is interesting because physically he wasn't intimidating, but from a skill standpoint, his skills allowed him to dominate. And Mm -hmm. what you're contending is, hey, man, skill and will over those physical traits, his skills are phenomenal when it comes to playing the position. His will, his desire, the ticker, the heart, he has all of that stuff. And we've been around enough to know that those guys have it. Because when we rattle off the guys that have been just in the last decade in our most recent generation, the guys that everyone reveres at the quarterback position, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, all of them mm-hmm. have an edginess to them. And of those three, well, shoot, of, of those three, if we go back to our college evals, none of them did we rate as special arm talents. No. None of them. Like now we have a perception that Aaron Rodgers is a special, magical thrower. But we, you and I saw him in college. We didn't view him in that same light. We viewed him as a first-round talent. I did. I, I think yeah. you did, yeah. too. But yeah. we didn't see him as, like, the transcendent player that he has become. No, not at all. Well, Buck, Buck, let me ask you this. Leading rusher in NFL history is Emmett Smith. If you put Emmett Smith in an athletic skills competition with, with running backs throughout the eras, he would finish nowhere near the top. Jerry yeah. Rice, the greatest same receiver thing. of all time. Jerry Rice not going to blow you away with – you know, in shorts with with the height, weight, speed. That's not not him. Great. We're talking about the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this is not like I just feel like I'm I'm coaching. I'm I'm t- 
keep trying to coach myself, right? Which is get over your hang up that this guy is not the six foot it's five, hard, right? 240 pound hose, because that's what we've been trained, right? It's hard. You but know, at some point in time, yeah. you have to, you have to say, this is a results business. And this dude is a results guy. So there are, it's not like, like with Russell Wilson, it was hard because there's no five foot 10 quarterbacks at the time. Yeah, they, they weren't, yeah, they weren't, they weren't but anything. We, we're, yeah. we're, we're rattling off players in football, you know, baseball. Uh, I mean, shoot, you go Larry Bird, John Stockton. I'm sure hey, there's a million other Steph guys, Curry, you know, Steph Curry, yeah, Steph Curry, there Steph Curry wasn't Steph the Curry. fastest, not the biggest. He made himself into that because of the thing. Um, Thank you. There is, there is something to be said for uh, skill development and the continuing ongoing skill development. And you and I have talked away from the podcast about you want to trust the kid and you mm-hmm. want to trust the, the, the buy-in to the kid. And this is going to be a weird connection because physically they aren't the same. But I, I go back to the Pat Mahomes thing. When you and mm-hmm. I sat in here and Pat Mahomes came in and Pat Mahomes' impression that he left on us changed the way that we kind of viewed him as a player. Because looking at mm-hmm. him on tape, we're like, man, he has all the skill set, but I don't know. But we came away from that like, oh, not only – is he uh, smart and understands concepts beyond what we thought? But his drive was very, very apparent when we sat in these seats. His mm-hmm. desire, how much he wanted it, and those things. And you and I have talked about if I'm going to trust somebody, I got to trust someone that loves it. And mm-hmm. I get the sense that Joe Burrow loves it. Now, I want to continue to ask that and see that or whatever. You hope that, that those things don't change with stardom and the like, but – he appears to be a guy that loves it. I'll take my chances on those guys. The hardest thing for me to do in the process will be the Tua Joe Burrow thing because, yeah. um, and we can't do this, but you just wonder if both guys were healthy and if both guys finished the year, like what does that evaluation look like? You know? Mm-hmm. When you no, I think when, it's a, when, I think when you watch the I tape think, and stuff like that. I, I think Tua, I think Tua is is more talented as a thrower. Mm-hmm. I think there's more twitch to Tua. Like he, Tua has got incredibly quick feet, quick release, quick mind, all that stuff. And I, I wrote down when I, I did some more work on him a couple of days ago, and I wrote down he's a card dealer. He's like a, a blackjack mm-hmm. dealer. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch those guys throw the cards across the table. That's Tua. Um, and, and you know what, I just, I, I have to be careful because it's hard. We're not doctors, right? And mm-hmm. trying to, when you're trying to sequence these guys and there's medical stuff, gosh, I hate it. I hated it with Jalen Smith. Mm-hmm. I hated it with Miles Jack. Some, you know, you don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard. Sometimes you factor it in, other times you don't. I just know that, man, the hip, hip is scary, man. It um, is. And, 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 so and, and also, like, like, so in the world that we live in now, right? Everyone wants to hold you to what you say and how you present the rankings and the grades. Yeah. And it's quite possible that both of these guys could be stars. Like there's not mm-hmm. a thing that, that says that, hey, both of these guys can't be stars at the next level. It could be very much a situation where they're like Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, you know? Yeah. Um, two guys that are really good players that play really well in their respective teams and, hey, away they go. And so – uh, I, I just think it's it's an interesting evaluation. It's one of those that they, they will forever be tied together. Um, and we, we'll just kind of see 
how it goes. I, I do want to talk because we spent a lot of time on Joe Burrow. And so yeah. we're, we're going to assume that Joe Burrow is going to be the number one pick in 2020. There's been a lot of assumptions about Trevor Lawrence being the number one pick in 2021 if he elects to come out at the end of his junior season. Uh, yep. Quickly touch on, like, what did you think about his performance against LSU? The first time that I've seen him really get rattled, I thought, you know, and I thought he was frustrated. Um, you know, I, mechanically, was he broke down a little bit. You know, I, I saw him overstriding, which the ball was kind of getting away from him a little bit. Um, he saw a couple, he threw a couple worm burners, which you don't ever mm-hmm. see from him. Mm-hmm. But I'll stand by this. I was actually texting with David Carr during the game. We were texting back and forth. And, uh, you know, he was asking me about Lawrence. And I, I said, and I'll, and I'll stand by it, and we'll see what happens over next year, Buck. Maybe, maybe this is one of those things you walk back. But I said, he's the most talented quarterback that I've seen. And I said, before Andrew Luck has been that guy for me since I started scouting. I've never had a higher grade on anybody than Andrew Luck with what he could do, how unique he was. I said, this kid's more explosive than Andrew Luck. Um, he throws the ball, I would say, maybe a little bit more arm strength than Andrew Luck. They're both mm-hmm. elite, you know, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Um, but then you add the, the, the intelligence, the character, all those boxes that Andrew Luck checked, you're going to get the same thing with, with him. But that was his, probably the worst worst game that he's had. I mean, it, it, is, it's, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. Because first, first loss in college. No, you know, it was great. And, and I, I think this weekend is really great uh, for scouts and aspiring scouts. And, I, and I'll say this. Um, a lot of times uh, we as evaluators want to make snap decisions in a vacuum. We have a tendency to be very, really, really impacted by the last time that we see a player. It leaves an impression on us. When we know, in theory, you should um, evaluate the entire body of work. So mm-hmm. with Trevor Lawrence... I think we can confidently say, like, hey, this is a hiccup, one that he will learn from. You know, um, it's hard. The position that he's playing is the hardest position in the game. It's the one that receives the most attention and also the most criticism. Trevor Lawrence didn't have his A game, you know, but we still can recognize the talent and we can recognize the special qualities that he could bring to a team in the right situations. I said it about Trevor Lawrence to also go and talk about all the conversation that happened with Lamar Jackson on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. I just think it's really, really important that we're able to separate single game performances from body or work things. And while acknowledging, Mm -hmm. hey, guys need to get better in this area. One game is not a damning indictment on whether a kid can play or not. And I think Mm -hmm. as evaluators, as we continue to keep growing in the business, I just it's important to keep all of those things in perspective. For me, I'm excited to see Trevor Lawrence first game next year because I want to see, well, what is the bounce back? How does he respond to this game? How does it eat at him in the offseason? And how does it fuel him to take his game to the next level? I believe the Charger game uh, in last year's playoffs affected Lamar Jackson to the point that he came back and he responded how? in an MVP Mm -hmm. fashion. So as we're looking at these players, man, the response from critical errors, that's what I want to see. I live for those moments in the evaluation because I want to see how do people respond when they're at their quote-unquote lowest because I think that literally gives you an indicator on how are they going to be able to handle all the pressures that come along with being a franchise quarterback at the highest level. Well, we, we, uh, we talked about it with Matt Rule. 
um, new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And remember Matt said mm-hmm. um, football adversity, right? Yep. You know, he talked about guys that have cha- had to change positions, guys that have been redshirted, um, guys that have had injuries, you know, you know, whatever it happens. He wants to see how you respond to football adversity. Lamar Jackson, what a great example, Buck. Um, you know, that playoff game against the Chargers, everybody was like, okay, well, figure this out. So, you know, here, here we go. The rest of the league's going to figure this thing out. And then he goes, rattles off 14-2. and two. He's going to be the league MVP. Tells you a lot about him as a dude, um, how he responded to football adversity. This is Trevor Lawrence. That really, first time, right? First time first having time. football adversity. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I did not leave that game last night, Buck, going, oh boy, I'm, I'm off on him. Ah, he didn't play as well. But that dude is a freak talent. Freak look, talent. Look, freak, freak talent. Big, big body playmaker. Guy that can can make all the throws. And look. DJ, it's probably better for him to take a loss in college before he got to the pros because at least I have an indication of, hey, how he may respond. Imagine if he had gone unbeaten the entire way through and he comes to the end of his junior year. He's never lost. He's only lost one time in high school. How do we know how he's going to handle adversity when it hit, when he's never, when we haven't visual evidence of him having to overcome challenges or obstacles and those things so in anything this is a bit of a blessing in disguise for him he gets an opportunity to come back and really write a great quote-unquote comeback story coming off of the heels and the loss because you could tell his post-game presser it ate away of him that ate away at him that he was not able to deliver in customary fashion the way that he's always been able to do yeah, I definitely think that coming into that game, LSU was a more confident team, you know, and, and I know Dabo is humble. So, but man, when you can see that even the interviews before the game, um, it was in just a matter of time. It felt like when you talk to LSU, like let's, this is, they already had that game won. you know, there was a different level of confidence there with that group. It was a better team. You know, we both, I think we both picked Clemson. I know I picked Clemson. Yeah, I picked Clemson because uh, I, I, I thought, I thought the experience was something. And when they came in and hit him with the haymaker, uh, yeah. And it was 17-7. I was like, ooh. But the yep. response. And I think also, like, we talk about those moments when you want to see quarterbacks and the football adversity. To me, the game last night against Clemson, to me, that's kind of the cherry on top of the Joe Burrow Sunday. Because it's the yeah. first time that I've seen his team rocked and having to take a standing eight count. And then they came mm-hmm. back with, a, a, a like, a ferocious comeback. Speaks volumes about his toughness, his grit, his resiliency. That's what we're always looking for in the evaluation process. I don't want to see when it's perfect. Show me yeah. what it's like when it's broken. Can you fix it? And he was able to fix it. I know we're. I know you're a big MMA guy. Uh, yeah, Buck. It reminded me a little bit. Do you remember? Because John Jones was wrecking everybody. Oh yeah. And then remember Gustafson took him into the deep water, and they. Went oh like yeah. And he, I think he might have hurt his toe or like. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, okay, not only, like, the most skilled fighter, but, like, that dude's he's got something in the tank. Like, that was a gut check performance yeah. there. Yeah. Something yeah. to that. Very, very much so. Like, we talk so much about, like, and look, the thing that we did with the team building uh, podcast, and we were talking about culture and talking to all the different coaches and even pulling coaches outside of it because we talked to Tom Crean. The one thing that was the common denominator from everybody, toughness. Mental mm-hmm. and physical. The performance that we got from Joe Burrow last night, we saw mental and physical toughness because he took a pounding, but he still responded, and then he responded to the adversity. I mean, you just continue to keep checking off the boxes. That's exactly what you're supposed to do when you're an elite prospect, and he's done that. 
All right, let's get to a couple other guys in that game. Jamar Chase, I thought, was probably the, was the second-best player on the football field Ooh. outside of Burrow with what he did. Was Terrific. <laughs> we'll, get a chance, we'll get a chance to dig into him next year. But in terms of like some of the guys that are, that are draft-eligible, Buck, um, I thought Isaiah Simmons, oh, man. man. Talk about mm-hmm. – I was texting with a GM last night, and, we, and uh, he said uh, this is uh, – what, what was the exact phrase I'm trying to say? Um, oh, you know what? I could even look it up on my phone, but it was like, this is the, it's the new wave football player, man. Like that's, that's what you have to have. That's, that's, you have to have um, at least one. He said, yeah, he said, uh, new age football is what he said. And that is, that is, I, I was even thinking about it from a standpoint of, you know, we, we talk about the importance of, I mean, we'll be, we'll get into this in a minute, but D line quarterback play being the, the two mm-hmm. big deals here. When you look at any level of football, those are the, you have a great D line, a great quarterback. You're going to win a lot of football games. But I think as we see the game continue to grow and evolve, man, versatility and athleticism and explosiveness in a package like that, I, I see it, you know, doing the Charger games with a guy like Derwin James. This guy allows you to do so many different things. So what a special player. Look, special player, special athlete. And I think, if anything, the playoffs have actually enhanced his stock um, in the draft. What he was able to do in the first game against Ohio State in the semifinals where he basically played deep safety. Uh, I think that showed a level of versatility that maybe everyone didn't know that he had. And then his ability in the LSU game to just be all over the place and deliver in a variety of different ways. When we think about the top safeties or defensive playmakers in the league. And I think he'll probably be positioned as one of those safety types or whatever. Look at what Duran James has been able to do. Look at the way that the New York Jets deployed Jamal Adams, even though they have bif- mm-hmm. different games and body types. But think about mm-hmm. Jamal being in the box, blitzing, being in coverage, doing those things. You have to have on every defense at least one elite-level Swiss Army Knife-type player. Yes, yes. And so – when we think about building a team, because ideally you're building a team that can compete for champions for year on end, you have to have one guy that can do it. He certainly has that kind of athleticism, that kind of skills and versatility to be able to do a, a, a lot for a defense. It just comes down to the creativity of the defense coordinator when it comes to how do you deploy him? How do you utilize him? No doubt. Um, the the uh, other couple other guys jump into here. I'll just give you kind of I'll give you a snapshot evaluation from what I saw watching the TV copy of that game, and then it goes along with what we've seen on the tape. Um, Justin Jefferson, toughness, mm-hmm. ability to work in traffic. Mm-hmm. We, Buck, we've been beating the drum, right? Route runners, uh, polished route runners with toughness. That's what plays in the NFL right now. Receiver Justin Jefferson, boom, check those boxes. Uh, Clyde edwards alaire to me, he's like a Ray Rice clone, a little bit shorter. Um, but just he's so hard to tackle. He's great in the passing game. I think he's a classic second-round type back. Um, you, you look at uh, uh, the corners, I thought was a rough one, though, man. Christian Fulton, I got to come down a little bit. I love the kid, um, but, Buck, he's, when you don't have a lot of juice and then you struggle to play the ball, it's a bad combination, uh, and that mm-hmm. was his, his issue in that game. And then I also thought on the other side, um, AJ Terrell, who's another player I liked, he, uh, had he got a tough torched, time. So yeah, he had a tough, that, that was tough. Yeah, he had a tough time. And, and I think with um, both of these games, it is a terrific game to watch cornerback play because, like, let's just think about how Akuta played those guys and how he matched up and how um, 
he was able to be in control and make plays, and it didn't look like they overwhelmed him. In fact, he, it looked like he imposed his will on the Clemson receivers in their semifinal matchup. And so when you're judging it on, on, on that kind of standard and that kind of skill, yeah, some of those concerns did show up, Fulton not being able to necessarily run and make plays on the ball. And ball skills are such a, an underrated quality when you come – to the evaluation, like just being able to play the ball in the air, yep. whether you yep. intercept it, knock it down or whatever, but just being able to play the ball in the air, there's a value to that. And so many defensive backs struggle and panic at the moment of truth that when you do find someone who is able to do it, who's able to keep his man in control, who can have display the athleticism to run with these, the Catholics on the perimeter, Man, it, it, it says a lot about him. And so, yeah, the ball skills were concerning when I looked at both of those guys playing. No doubt. And, and the last one was, I don't know if you saw this, but I tweeted that uh, uh, Randy Moss's kid, Thaddeus Moss, gosh, he reminds me of like a little slimmer version of Jermaine Wiggins. Do you remember him? Oh, Bad Body. Yeah, Bad Body was yeah. with us with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And it's one of those things like the reason we call Jermaine Wiggins Bad Body is because if you ever saw him, like it's not the the nicest body. It's definitely it's a not. Slide. He's not. He's not a DK Metcalf type where you're like a body beautiful. He is a bad body, and I think sometimes he would go to weigh-ins with a bag of chips in his hand. Like I mean, he just <laughs> he just owned who he was. However, when it came to playing, man, that guy could make plays. He could dude. get open. He could do some things. And Thaddeus Moss, the last half of this man, he kind of kind of made a name for himself, kind of got in the mix, and he catches the ball really naturally. And there, there's going to be something to him and what he is able to do at this level and the next level. No doubt. Um, he actually retweeted it and said and tagged Randy Moss. I forgot, obviously, they played together in Minnesota. Yeah. So he was a fan. He, he took it as a compliment, so he, he liked the comparison. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. funny. Yeah, but no, it was, it, was, it was really, really, really good comparison. And I think it's one of those things like, look, man, you're always looking for those kind of things. And you're looking for comparisons. You're looking for how a guy could project at the next level. And so um, it's terrific. I mean, a lot of talent on display. I'm, I'm very, very impressed with both teams. Really impressed with the skilled players on LSU, man, because they make the game appear so easy for Joe Burrow. Their ability to not only just win and win at the line of scrimmage and make these big plays, but their ability to make these run and catch explosives. Uh, short passes, big games, they, they can do all of that. But back to Burrow, I don't know if I've seen anybody who is as fearless as, man, you know what? If you're going to go one-on-one, I'm taking the shot. And yep. he lets it go because the the 50-yard dime that he delivered um, to Jamar Chase when he saw one-on-one coverage, I was like, whoa, like, <laughs> that's crazy. You, know you, know you know what's funny? The, the, the tell that he has, Buck? Um, so we know with Breeze, when Breeze would cocks his head up, right? Yep. You know, yep. Breeze is getting ready to go down the field when he cocks his head up. With Joe Burrow, his front shoulder – he, he, he kind of he puts his front shoulder up. He drops his back shoulder because to get the loft on the ball, he likes to kind of tilt his shoulders. And so you can tell, and there was a couple, there was probably a handful of times where you knew he wanted to go downfield so mm-hmm. bad. And you see him tilt his shoulders, and then it's like, ah, it's not there. I'll come away with it. But uh, it, it's fascinating to watch him because he is, he, you know, there's, we, we talk about, we talk about with a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, it gets frustrating. Sometimes these guys are reading, you know, low to high, you know, and, not this dude, man. He he is going to read high to low. If there is ever an opportunity to take a shot, he is going to attack. And I can appreciate that. And I also can appreciate, like, I, I believe, um, and you know this being a quarterback, the back shoulder throw is a hard throw. 
And in hearing it Joe, easy. yeah, in hearing Joe Burrow say, "Look, if they're not looking back, I'm taking the shot. I am throwing it because I know they can't defend it." And his ability to consistently make that back shoulder throw. It, it, look, it's something that reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. And I would say this, Aaron Rodgers this year hasn't been the same. But if you go back to really when he was at his prime, when he's played at his best, the back shoulder throw has been the Packers' biggest weapon. If Joe Burrow can continue to have that in his back, you talk about Greg Maddox being able to paint the corners. That is Joe Burrow's outside corner pitch. Like, it's, it's the one that hits the black for the strike, um, for the strikeout where the batter is kind of caught holding his back. Mm-hmm. That's a great, such a great call. Uh, and fortunately for Joe Burrow, he didn't have to face Tony Gwynn. Uh, <laughs> it's my, it's my only thing I got as a Padres fan. Tony Gwynn owned Greg Maddox. He's the only one to ever, uh, ever do anything against him. Uh, all right, Buck, let's go through these playoff teams real quick here. This is just a quick exercise. Yeah. Um, because we've got four teams left, and we'll have a chance to talk a lot about this coming out of the games next week when we're together down in, in mm-hmm. Mobile. But from a team-building standpoint, we did last year kind of our, our championship foundation – and it was a fun – I think we did this on path too. we got to do that again. Let's do that again this year on path. Uh, put some of these teams through this exercise. I think it's really a good look at these teams. But uh, the formula, here it is. One quarterback, two pass rushers. Could be anywhere on the D-line, just two pass rushers. Three offensive playmakers, you know, combination of a tight end, receiver, running back, any, any way you want, but three offensive playmakers. Three defensive playmakers means non-defensive linemen, just three guys that can really impact plays from the – linebacker and secondary total, and then three quality offensive linemen. That was kind of like, okay, man, you've got all that. You're, you're in a pretty good spot. So, so why don't we run through these, uh, these final four teams here and see where they are. You want to do it? Yeah, let's do it. I, DJ, I'm going to say because I, I did a little cheating. When we get okay. down to it, it is really fascinating, and there's some stark contrast from, for some of these teams that are in <laughs> the final four when it comes to the championship it. foundation based on how we look at it. Who you want to start okay, with? Well, you, well, let's go. You tell me. You start where you want to start. With. Okay, let's start. Let's start in the NFC, and let's start with the San Francisco 49ers. And okay. I kind of stretched it out a little bit with the defensive playmakers, but let's go. So, quarterback check, Jimmy Garoppolo. Three offensive playmakers. I listed, and I mean, like they had a couple different guys as you go, but I put George Kittle. Um, yep. I have Debo Samuel listed as a playmaker. Yep. And then I mean, that's right. And then I'm torn because I think there are three other guys in the backfield that could be there because you have Tevin Coleman, you have Mossert, and then you have um, the fullback. Brita. Oh, yeah, Brita, too. Yeah, yeah you have Brita. Like, yeah. like, I mean, like, so all of those guys kind of qualify <laughs> for being able to yeah. be included in the category. So maybe if you make some of those, like, worth a half a point, they'll qualify. The old lineman, I had a tough – I had I had Joe Staley and I had yeah. McGlinchey. I don't know yep. which of the interior guys would qualify, but but it doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, Tomlinson, Tomlinson's talented. I mean, he was a first-round pick for a reason, and he's, he's, he's been a good player there for them. Yes, he has been in that system. He, he certainly has. Um, two pass rushers. I mean, Bosa, DeForest Buckner. Uh, I put an asterisk by D4 because you could throw him in there. Um, their defensive playmaker, Richard Sherman. I mean, you also – I mean, gosh, Buck, the uh, – Eric uh, Armstead. Armstead had 10 sacks. Yeah, so, I mean, they've got plenty of those. I mean, so they got they got they have four pass rushers or whatever, and then three defensive playmakers. Like however you want to slice it. I have Richard Sherman, I have Fred Warner, and then I know that yes. Quan Alexander, prior to the injury, also made plays. Yeah. So if you tally it up, and I'm looking like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 guys that were included and that's on not that even, thing. That's not even counting Emmanuel Sanders, who, you know. Right, who's another, who's another who's playmaker. Good, really good player, yeah. Okay, so now, like, was there anybody that you felt like I left off? Uh, you said Emmanuel no. Sanders. No, but, okay, so now when I go to the Green Bay Packers, like, this is, like, kind of tricky for me, right? Because I have okay. Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. Uh, yep. The three playmakers. I have two solids in terms of Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Yeah, big-time guys, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who the third guy is. Is that Jimmy Graham? Um, no, not for me. Right, right. So I I can't say that there's another one in there. I don't think Geronimo Allison is at that point. Um, Marcus Valenciennes. So so I'm, I'm kind of short on that. Then when they I need go, more firepower. Then when I go to their offensive line, uh, Bakhtiari – I have it left tackle. Yeah, elite player. Um, Bulaga's always hurt, and I don't know if he yeah. plays at that level. Then you have Billy Elton Turner. Elton Jenkins is a good player. Yeah, Elton Jenkins. Okay, so we can we can put him in there as a rookie. Um, but then I look, uh, Corey Lindsey, Billy Turner. Eh, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not okay. Okay. all the way. Yeah. So then I go to defense. Uh, Zadari yeah, Smith. Smith. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, both of those guys have played really well. Uh, Kenny yep. Clark has been a player that has been uh, a dominant player on the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I go to the defensive playmakers, though, um, Alexander, I have Zari Alexander, I have Adrian Amos, but I don't feel I as good. I wouldn't put him in like the big playmaker right. status. You know? so, so, so when I look at the Packers, they feel like a notch below what I, I sense from the San Francisco 49ers. Now, in the regular yeah. season when they matched up, the San Francisco 49ers play like they have significantly better talent and pieces than the Green Bay Packers. What's your take mm-hmm. on the Packers? Yeah, Blake Martinez is a good player, but, he, I mean, again, we're not – Blake Martinez is not Fred Warner. He is not Quan Alexander. Like, that's a different level. Um, but I, I, that's what I'm with you. I, I think they're a little bit light there. I think they probably need one more – you know, top shelf offensive lineman. I definitely think they need more firepower. They need another playmaker, you know, mm-hmm. to go around the running back and the receiver. I don't put Jimmy Graham in that in that category. No, anymore. he's not. So, he's not. He's not. He's not there. Like, and so you're being generous. And so when you're looking at it, like guys that we feel really good about: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They have eight. Yeah. We talked about the Niners having fifteen. The Packers have eight. Yeah. There you go. So, um, all right, let's jump over to the AFC here. Okay, so jump over to the AFC, and let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. And, look, man, your tweet or your conversation talking about the Tennessee Titans being built like the early 2000 Patriots, I am in full agreement. Uh, let's go to their team and the way they constructed. Uh, quarterback Ryan Tannehill led the league in passer rating, so he gets in there. Yep. Offensive yep. playmakers. I have Derrick Henry. I have mm-hmm. A.J. Brown. And after A.J. Brown, I'm kind of torn on who I should include in that category. Corey Davis has shown some flashes. Johnu Smith has yeah. shown some flashes. But I, think I don't Adam know Humphrey if they've – healthy would probably be my next you – know, no, no, I take that back. You know what? Johnu Smith. Johnu Smith, Johnny the tight end. Johnu Smith would be that guy. Uh, That's their third guy. Yeah, so so that that is where I was torn. Like, hey, who's who's the third guy? Is it whatever? So we'll, we'll put Johnu Smith. So Johnu Smith qualifies. Offensive line play, um, Taylor Lewan has been good for them. Um, Saffold. I had Saffold in there. And then Conklin 
Uh, I have him there because his first round pick. He hasn't played to that level, but he's just been okay. Inside, they have Ben Jones and Nate Davis. You know, yeah, Ben Jones, Um, good, good. Nate Davis, you know, you're excited about what he can become. I I put them in the good category, but I wouldn't say like three top shelf guys. Right. So, so what they have is they have they have two in those pass rushers. um, It's funny your interior linemen or whatever. Terrell Casey, and I put Jeffrey Simmons in there right away because they have been yeah. a dominant defense since he has come back. Like, since he yeah. joined the party, they've been really, really good. Defense Harold Landry, good yeah, rusher. Yeah, Harold Landry has, has, has been has been really good, so we put him in there. So that gives them uh, three guys that we can kind of throw in there um, to make it happen. Defensive playmakers. I have uh, Bayard, and then yeah. I put Rashawn Evans. Really good, yeah. You, you know, uh, Outside of that, they have some good players. Logan Ryan has been good. Kenny Vaccaro yeah, has been good. Adoree Jackson. Adore up and down. Up, yeah, so they have good, not yeah. necessarily like special. Right. And so yeah. we tally them off. I mean, they're still qualified. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So yep. they're in there, and with the possibles, that pushes them to the 12 mark. The Kansas City Chiefs, and the Kansas City Chiefs are funny because they're a little more one-sided when it comes to where they're heavy. Uh, quarterback, mm-hmm. check. Uh, Tyreek yeah. Hill, Travis Kelsey. Uh, this is interesting because the third playmaker, I kind of had a split between Sammy Watkins and Miko Hardman. Miko Hardman mm-hmm. kind of gets it because of the punt return, kick return thing being a, a dom- He's dominant in that aspect, and he makes plays. Mm-hmm. He stepped in for Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill when Tyreek Hill wasn't there and was really, really solid. So he goes, I don't know what to put Sammy Watkins in, but I put a little asterisk by his name like because he mm-hmm. could be sometime. We've seen him flash I think, I think, at I times. Think I, would rely, I think I would rely more on Damian Williams than, than – uh, mm than uh sammy you know sammy just you know it's just been injuries and production's just kind of inconsistent and all that but um okay. i think damian williams he's made plays. player okay yeah so then lyman uh mitchell schwartz and then i put eric fisher i'm not in love with mm-hmm. eric fisher okay. but you okay. know but like eh. so so that's the thing so i have sports but, but like the tough thing dj like when i look at the other stuff I don't know if I love anything else on their offensive line. Like, yeah. you have Andrew Wiley, you have Austin Ryder, you have LT, LDT. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. Yeah, LDT is a good. I would say I would put Schwartz and uh, and and uh, Duvernay Tardif. I think would be their two best yeah, linemen, so, in my so, opinion. Yeah. So 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 you have. Two and a half with Fisher. Yeah. Fisher. I've seen. I've just seen. I'm. I'm uh, yeah. I'm, I know. On that like, like two, I've seen, two and I've a half. Joey Bosa just annihilate him every time he plays against him. But yeah. So so then pass rushers, Chris Jones. Chris Jones. Yes. Frank, Frank Clark. Frank Clark. Check check check. But the defensive playmakers, I only have one. I have Matthew. Honey Badger. Yeah. That's it. I couldn't find yeah. anybody else. And so yeah. I mean, I'm, you've got like good. You know, Anthony Hitchens, good player. Um, Kendall Fuller, good player, but yeah, I, I'm yeah, with you. like like good, not quite. So, so Buck, does this? I mean, this this to me, this exercise. I mean, great job putting that all together. Um, it points to San Francisco, right? I mean, it, it it and it really points to San Francisco taking on the Tennessee Titans if we go by the the rubric and the formula, because yeah. if if we go by it, that's how it should match up in terms of like 
How they do it. Yeah. So it points to the San Francisco 49ers should be the prohibitive favorite to win the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it doesn't mean that's going to happen. And the other thing, too, you got to look at is Pat Mahomes. I mean, they're. They how, how, many how many does he count? How many does he? How many players does Pat Mahomes count for? Um, yeah, the best player at the most important position. And really, truthfully, if we stack them right, with the way it was in order, you'd go quarterback and then two pass rushers. And I would put, if you're doing a three on three tournament, I would I would take the Chiefs because I would take Mahomes, Chris Jones, and Frank Clark, and we don't when we run the court. Ooh, three on three. That is a good thing. If we were going three on three with a quarterback and two pass rushers in the tournament, which yeah. threesome would you take? Ooh. Yep. Ooh, that's a good one. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take my chances. <laughs> you can be king of the court, NBA jam. <laughs> just get them hot. Jeez. Yep. That's a good one. I like that one. Three on three. Uh, that was fun, man. Uh, I was going to touch on uh, some of the guys I've seen out here at the East West, but look, we've, we've run a little bit long here. So let's save that for, for our next chat when we're together in Mobile. I kind of recap what I've seen here at the East West, preview what we're, we're looking at there at the Senior Bowl and, and have some fun with that. But uh, um, any other things you want to get to, Buck, before we get out of here? No, nah, that was great, man. I think I'll continue to build upon that, that foundation because I think that is a, a great way to look at uh, the team building scenarios. That is Ooh, that's man. That is. You know what's terrific. funny is that I'm doing this. I'm doing this uh, episode in my hotel room in Tampa, and I've got this little microphone attached to my phone, and I'm just walking around my hotel room while I'm doing this. So, I, gosh, I think I like walking around and podcasting at the same time. This guy, I figured out a way how to do this. This is oh, a lot so more okay. So just fun. to let you in on a on a dirty little secret, when I was over in London and we were podcasting, I was doing the same thing. I was walking around the flat, just kind of walking and man. talking. Yeah, just kind of walking around and talking. I felt like I was doing a TED talk. I was just going back and forth and, and doing <laughs> doing all those things like with, with the mic. So yeah, like with the little AirPods and stuff that I had, like that's that's what I felt like. I'm just hey, I'm just walking oh, and talking. True story, true story. So I was uh this is a couple years back, but I got offered a job in the league and uh was in the process trying to just sort out what was the right decision for, for me and my family and uh and so I had been, you know, on the phone with this team all day long on the phone with, you know, on the, I have a, a football agent that kind of handles the football thing. And you've got your broadcasting agent handles the broadcasting. So I've got these three different conversations kind of going on the whole day. And I think it was in, uh, I was at the senior bowl. So it was a day off at the senior bowl in, in mobile. And so I looked at my phone at the end of the day, I had walked close to six miles, Buck. I did not leave my hotel room. Oh man, you were really pacing it out. Just pacing that thing out, man. I was like, this just shows you. You don't need to go to the gym to get a workout, man. Just walk around your hotel room. I know. That's so funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> that really but is anyway, funny. That, that's no. fun. I like, I like a little walk and talk here. No, I, I think this is good, man. And I think as we continue to kind of stretch this stuff out and continue to think about team building, building the ultimate team, which is what every general manager and executive wants to do. I think there are different ways to look at it, but it is clear and apparent that you have to have high-end talent to be able to win in the league. And we're seeing from these four teams, it happens. We're seeing in the college game that you have to have premier dues to win games. And all of these teams have premier dues. No doubt. Uh, well, that was fun, man. It's uh, it's great to catch up with you. Have fun at the NFLPA game. Uh, both these games you can catch on NFL Network on Saturday. I think East West is up first, Buck. Yeah, say. East West. East West. Right yeah, East West is up first. I think uh, you guys are rocking and rolling at one o'clock, and I think we follow at seven o'clock Eastern time. Okay, there you go. So 
uh, be on the lookout for those two games. It is draft season. I love this time of year. Um, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And if you're new to our podcast, trust me, this is the this is the good time of year, man. We we have a lot of fun during the regular season. I think we put put out some some good stuff. But uh, hopefully we we take our game to another level as we get to the spring. Oh, for sure, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Nabil, for producing, doing a great job back there, Mark Brady, uh, for pulling this whole thing together. Shout out to Jordan Palmer. We didn't get a chance to uh, to get to the soundbite, but we were going to give him some love because he came on the show in September and called his shot with Joe Burrow having a big year. Um, so we we do want to give we like to give credit where credit is due. Jordan called that one, so we'll have a chance to talk to him about that as we go up to the draft process. But uh, anyway, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening to Move the Six. We'll catch you next time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.